The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Joining us on round two this morning, uh, and please make an appointment to listen with your smart speaker, are uh, Pavan Bratch, uh, who is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, plus a part-time farmer. Oh, I, for- oh, I forgot. I forgot. Uh, Nick is going to get me in trouble, and he'll be losing his job over this. The weather <laughs> that I just read so capably was brought to you by Frank Leo, your home sold guaranteed. Frank Leo of Remax has a multi-million dollar marketing system to get sold, guaranteed, or Frank will buy it. It's so okay, go to getleo.com okay. and start packing. It's okay. Okay. Uh, sorry, what was the website again? I stepped all over it. Get GetLeo.com. Okay. You're allowed one mistake per show. <laughs> I was over that at five after six, my friend. Anyway, never mind. Okay. So back to Pavan Bratch, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, plus a part-time farmer, uh, former liberal MPP and mayoral candidate, and former head of civic action and a host, whole host of other things. An amazing resume, Mitzi Hunter, and Anne-Marie Akins, uh, also someone with a great resume in media and crisis uh, communications, uh, and uh, somebody that you're very familiar with. Uh, good morning to you all. Uh, good morning, John. So I'll, good I'll morning, start, John. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'll start, Pavan, with you. Uh, and I want to just ask about this Greenbelt issue. And, and I don't want to sort of dwell on it because people are getting tired of it. But that's the point, maybe, is that it just doesn't seem to be going away. And today's installment will likely be the case that uh, when Doug Ford has his big celebration called Ford Fest, that is supposed to be a very happy occasion for them, there's going to be a big protest there of people protesting the Greenbelt and all the things uh, surrounding that. Is this an issue that, like many, will go away, or do you think we'll be talking about it a year from now? No, it. it uh, I, mean, I think it's it's up to Doug Ford. I mean, he's he's slammed head on into a wall on this issue, uh, and it's not you know it's not passing the sniff test. The polls say it. Let's we'll leave it to the RCMP to determine if there was any actual wrongdoing. But I mean, I think the challenge for for Doug is to change the channel. Uh, with some really smart action, because this, you know, this this green belt thing is just a small part of the overall problem. We've got a major crisis unfolding, and we've got new housing starts that have stopped. Uh, you know, eight thousand canceled just recently. We've got a lot of people, yes, that are protesting at the Ford event, but a lot of them live in nice homes with yards, and a lot of Ontarians want the same. And we've got a major financial mess coming up with commercial properties. John, you talked about, you know, how empty the the city is some days. I mean, a lot of these commercial downtown properties and other offices all across Ontario and the world are empty. And and that's going to free up a lot of land because uh, a lot of the, uh, the the folks are handing the keys back to the banks. Yeah, so how do we take that? Yeah. And how do we take all of these things, the, you know, the open tap of new Canadians and foreign students, the broken landlord tenant board? I mean, this is where Doug Ford has to step up when, and he's done it before. He's hit the wall before, and then he turned around and did some smart things. He needs to show leadership. He needs to bring the three levels of government together and fix this. I will say something to you, and Mitzi may not entirely agree with this, and I'll ask her because she's been there in government and outside of government. But Doug Ford is a very resilient individual. I will just tell you because I dealt with him for, you know, pretty much a good part of my eight years as mayor. And he's very resilient and so we'll see but Mitzi you have been on the government side during a difficult issue you've been on the opposition side this one does look like it's not just going to go away uh, that it has some degree of staying power uh, thoughts yes John I, I think this is like peeling back layers of an onion you know we are just getting the information surfacing thanks to the very detailed Auditor General's report um, for Ontario, as well as the Integrity Commissioner. And the resignation of the minister and his chief of staff is not clearing the stench because there's new information that is surfacing 
all the time. Those reports are really almost signaling where other, um, you know, Democracy Watch is now asking for an elections violation review. Um, Mr. X is this very mysterious operative that seems to have had enormous and outsized influence. People want answers. I don't think this is going away. And the legislature hasn't even resumed yet from its summer uh, recess. And so for sure, the Three opposition leaders are really going to keep this into the headlines for as long as they can. So, Anne-Marie, you've dealt with these kinds of issues. uh, And let's just take a look for a moment at the kind of, you know, channel changing or whatever. Um, I thought they they tried to stick with this line that said, it's all about building houses, nothing to see, you know, let's move on. They realized that wasn't working. And I don't think they, if they'd waited another 10 days, it would have been too late. But they moved, then the minister stepped down and the fellow, the chief of staff fellow stepped down and they appointed a committee and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Is, are they going to have to make adjustments again? In other words, they've adjusted once, and, and that is the mark of a, you know, a, a skillful government when you realize your strategy isn't working and go to another one. Are they going to have to do that again? I think so. I think from the outset, they misjudged this uh, issue for the, the magnitude of it. So that's one of your first you know, principles of issue management. You, you, you have to have skilled people around you to tell you that this is going to be a, a, an issue that's going to be sustaining. It's going to hurt us. We need to get ahead of it. We need to react uh, promptly um, and uh, we need to react uh, earnestly. Uh, with accountability, with transparency, all of the principles of good issue management were were absent. And so it, they're con- constantly chasing and reacting and underreacting. And uh, that's why it won't go away. And there's still things that are going to keep it alive. So as much as you think people will have moved on, there are people that haven't moved on. We have the RCMP investigation. We have uh, other integrity uh, commissioner. Is, is there st- he's still looking into it for different uh, violations and uh and as mitzi said and Pavin said there's other things like mr x and it's like a i have friends said it was like a a bad spy novel it just gets more and more interesting <laughs> and the, the 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 contrast with the issue of the long-term care sadly I think to judge that from the beginning of it is that one, it's not new information where the green belts all new. And number two is um, people are so weary of the uh, pandemic as much as it hasn't uh, left us uh, for many, many reasons, people are ready to move on and they're, they, they're, they were, they have some post-traumatic stress, I think from it and they don't want to think about it. So that isn't going to be a sustaining issue. In my opinion, it uh, sadly, it is as a, you know, as tragic as the situation it was, I just don't think it's going to, people won't let it resonate with them. But I'll go to you, Mitzi, and then we'll go around the table. But but Mitzi, isn't that a problem, what, what uh, Anne-Marie just said, which is that the, the, the one thing that does require us to have an intensive focus is, you know, what did happen? Just to look at the city of Toronto alone, I don't know the Ontario numbers, but in the city of Toronto, 6,000 people died. And, and look, some of them were going to die because it was a pandemic globally, et cetera. But, you know, things we've learned since, including this report that's out on the long-term care and how, as the report says from the ombudsman, the system of inspection largely collapsed during the pandemic. Isn't it actually important, as much as people don't want to, that we focus on the pandemic and say, let's really, for once, take to heart the lessons that cost so many lives and cause so much grief uh, for people uh, and, and, and make sure we're better prepared for the next one? 
I, I absolutely agree, John, that, you know, this issue is life and death. And, and we see that. And, you know, the ombudsman has really shown that the inspections that the government was not prepared, you know, the, the inspections that were being done and, you know, going back to, to the previous government uh, was scrapped. And, and nothing was replaced that met the moment when when a pandemic hit and and vulnerable the most vulnerable people suffered as a result of that and so so you know even if this issue is a quieter issue it's not as you know headline grabbing it is about life and death and we have to make sure that the most vulnerable people in long-term care, uh, have a system that they can rely on. And, and that starts with the inspections, the transparency of when your loved one is there, knowing that they are being well cared for and that the system can react when there is a crisis because of that vulnerability. And, and you know, the, the report really focuses on a forward-looking aspect. And I think that that was uh, really smart of the ombudsman to do that. You know, Pavan, I don't think we're very good at this in that we, you know, and because it doesn't need to be a global pandemic that happens again. It could be like a flu outbreak that affects one residence. And, and, and because we failed to take steps, you know, recommended in various reports, even in that one building, people die going forward when it could have been preventable. And we just don't, we, we, we're inclined to say, well, that pandemic's over. And thank God we got through that, even though there was a lot of tragedy. And we'll just move on to talk about inflation or move on to talk about the green belt. We're just not good at, 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 at sort of saying we've got to to go back and methodically look at how we're going to save more lives the next time. Well, Anne-Marie, I think, nailed it when she said we've got PTSD, we've got probably, we just don't want to go back and think about it again. Uh, 100% correct, but we absolutely do, John, I agree. You know, I mean, our overall, I mean, this this thing in the long-term care thing where they weren't inspected for three months is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we all know that. We know that there were bigger, bigger failures. And overall, our ability as a, as a country, as a province, you know, and no offense to, you know, the municipal politicians, but all of us, I think we didn't, we didn't pass. We didn't, you know, COVID in the end wasn't that significant and we failed. So we have to stop and we do have to force ourselves to figure out how do we handle uh, crises in the future because COVID was nothing. And, and secondly, I would submit that we need to have an intergovernmental team that just takes over. When when we have crises, uh, and no disrespect to politicians, but they have been rehearsing, hopefully, for, for years and years to deal with situations like this and to and to manage the emergency response properly so that so that maybe we don't have to spend half a trillion dollars and maybe we don't start building hospitals for, for <laughs> to handle the overflow and then shut them down before COVID's even over, which is ridiculous. So, I mean, we just need to have an intergovernmental team to manage crises, I think, in the future. Let's uh, switch over to federal politics for a minute, if I can. I'll start with you, Anne-Marie. Um, here we have the the, uh, the circumstance where we have the Conservatives in Quebec City, you know, with a 14-point lead. We talked to Vashi Capellas earlier on, and she talked about the optimistic mood. Everybody was in a good mood, uh, and, and so on and so on. And then you contrast that with a federal liberal caucus meeting to come on next week in London, uh, where they're expecting maybe there's going to be some unrest from the MPs about their situation where they're so far behind the Conservatives. Um, is this, uh, you know, as I was sort of mentioning vis-a-vis -vis Doug Ford, is this the midterm blues and, you know, they're, uh, they're just suffering from the after effects of the pandemic and from inflation and from various things? Or is this, uh, uh, the you know, the beginning of the death throes of a government that's just sort of, uh, you know, uh, been passed? it's best by date. 
I think what's happening is uh, very, we, we just went through it not that long ago when um, a, another common sense revolution. And when I, it made me think about it when, because now they're, the conservatives are using that phrase, common sense. And I thought, what, at first I thought, why would they do that? Because it, it, for me, it, it conjures a very bad um, memories of amalgamation and all the things that, you know, the s- small government. But what it does is it capitalizes on um, a large number of people right now are feeling really feeling the pinch they can't find housing there we've already talked about they've already they're feeling the effects of the pandemic still very negative they need a change and the common sense revolution usually in historically is always capitalized on a uh and a you know a public that's disengaged and disillusioned and uh and that's what i think they're trying to do is capitalize on them and i'm afraid it will work um unless the liberals really pay attention to adopting this sense of um, we're we're you know of change because I think that's what people are looking for. Thirty seconds each. I think you're right about that. Thirty seconds each from Pavan and Mitzi. Do you count? You know, Mr. Trudeau and the Liberals out. Uh, I've said this morning earlier on, the worst time you want to peak in the polls is at midterm, two years before the election. <laughs> but do you count them out, Pavan, uh, or do you think that uh, you know two years is a long time, as they say? Well, he's, you know, no, I don't count them out, unfortunately. But the fact of the matter is that Canadians have said they don't like either of the leaders. So, I mean, that was the poll that came out last week as well. So, I mean, the issue will be the common sense mantra probably is good. It does have an association with Harris. But, you know, Trudeau and the team are very adept at pulling out attack ads. And they're going to pull out a, and, and they're going to pull out Polyev saying, let's switch Canada to cryptocurrency. And they're going to say, is that common sense? So, no, I think it's uh, it's a bit early. Ten seconds, Missy. Uh, Trudeau down and out or still uh in the in the in the ring far from over you know look at the contrast of the two leaders where is our prime minister he's out in in uh, in asia attracting jobs which is really important to our economy and uh, mr polyev has to prove that he has some solutions to all the problems that he's servicing i haven't really seen that and a makeover alone is not going to cut it people are going to start to look at what he's saying and what are those solutions that he's offering Thank you very much to Pop and Bratch, Missy Hunter, and Anne Marie Aikens. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.